We, uh, as, as in the night before, we do ask that uh, you help with the Rome Boys Ministries. There's baskets at both exit. We, uh, you know, one of their big things they're doing is, is the uh, billboard in San Angelo. And it's going up in January. So, you know, we need to help fund that. We need to help pay for that. So anything, everything will be definitely appreciated. Um, like I said, you know, we, we, we prayed, you know, bless us, O oh Lord. We ask that he continues to bless us and that we, from here on out, we remember what we're hearing this last three days. That's all I got. This is the Rome Boys. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Thank for you, the slow clap. Thank you. Actually, Go ahead. I do want you guys to clap because if you didn't read the headlines or hear this morning, uh, does anybody know what happened in the state of Texas this morning? Supreme Court of the United States. The Texas abortion bill. Heartbeat. Uh, the heartbeat bill is law. <clears throat> That's this morning, and, and we're here tonight to talk about the Holy Family, and it's just, that is the first step, and there's been many steps before it, but with the uh, Mississippi on the docket, Roe versus Wade will be overturned most likely, and this is an awesome, awesome day to be here together to celebrate the Holy Family, so it's exciting, super exciting. Never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. All right, well, we're going to be talking about the family tonight. Uh, as far as logistics, if little kids want to go, is this right? I'm going to make sure little kids can go watch a movie in the other room whenever they get a little too antsy, okay? And no, Steve, you can't go too. <laughs> so, um, so we have a top 10 list we want to do tonight. So as you're eating, if you don't mind doing like a drum roll every once in a while, that'd be great. Um, and we have a little bit of sound effects to kind of keep you awake. So top 10 list, this is Tony's top 10 teacher, I'm Tony the Tiger, because remember some of you little kids, I was your vacation Bible school teacher. So Tony's top 10 tiger list of tips on how to be a holy family. Number one, please give me a drum roll. <laughs> Number one, you got a sound effect? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, bless your kids and do it right now. Moms and dads, bless your kids. No, they don't have to sneeze. Get her done. So yeah. point number one is bless your kids. And aren't kids amazing? Right, kids? Aren't children a gift from no, come on. God? You are You're amazing. <laughs> you are amazing, Jace. <laughs> Children are a gift from God. We vowed at our wedding day, every one of us is married in the room, that we would be open to life, that we would have as many kids as God wants us to. That would be adoption, that would be natural birth, and whatever that is. So we want to encourage you to have a bunch of kids. Well, look up here. <laughs> 18 children among us. I thought you were going to say three kids. Well, that's, that's true, too. That's very true. Biggest yeah. ones in the middle. but <laughs> Very true as well. So be open. There you go. There you go. He's ready now. So. So bless your kids. Be open to life. Children are a blessing. This culture needs to see it. I, I grew up in Colorado, lived in Kansas. In those environments, in those states, more people were open. I came to Texas, very pro-life as far as uh, abortion goes and stopping abortion. But my wife and I have had some people have given us looks and said some not so kind things to us having seven children. And that's messed up. So we need to, many of you come from families of eight, 10, 12 kids. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. It, well, what is the average a kid per household these days. Yeah. Two? 2.3. Something like that. I yeah. mean. So, yeah, being open to life is, it, it's a lot of things. You know, there's, uh, when my family found out we were having another daughter after number three, you know, the, the look that you get is, can be a little uh, alarming. Like, another one? That's the comment that we get. So just simply, 
whether you're outside of childbearing years or you're not going to have any more kids, you know, in your own home, uh, promoting that pro-life factor. And I want to end my point with, uh, did you know that by the year 2076, the population of the world will start to decline dramatically if we stay on the current track we're on, which is actually, that means that there's 7.7 billion people in the world. The peak population in the entire planet will only go up to about 9 billion. And because of the number of people who aren't having more than one child, there will be a dramatic problem with society as we know it. But, you know, those pro-life families who are having lots of kids uh, are helping as the solution. So uh, it's really a societal problem. I mean, we're living in, I mean, we're in West Texas, but we do live in the Bible Belt. And someone pointed out to me once that uh, they had a friend approach them and said, oh, my son is having their third child. And she said that when she would talk to her Protestant friends, they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But when she would talk to her Catholic friends, they were like, so excited. They were like, oh, good for you. But she noticed that. She's not a Catholic herself, but she noticed the difference. So we do have a very pro-life, pro-family Catholic culture where we live. But we're, again, we're in the Bible Belt. So Do you agree that the Catholic religion is the true religion? Raise your hand. Yes. Mormons and Muslims are having a boatload of kids. And they're very much not the right religion. <laughs> um, so, yes, do your part and encourage people to, to be open to life. And, and, and the blessing of having as many kids as God wants, right? Because that could be one or two. Invest everything you can in those kids. They are the future. Bring them to church. You know, China for a long time had a rule where families could only have one kid. They reversed that a couple of years ago. And they made the largest investment. China made the largest investment in in vitro fertilization that has ever been made. And so they're now paying their citizens and paying for in vitro just so that they can have more children. Isn't that kind of scary? And it's disproportionately like male and female, right? Yeah. Because they are killing mostly the girls. Yeah. 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 Scary stuff. So thanks for being pro-life. And it's exciting to hear the news. We don't mean to bring you down with the stats. but it's awesome to see Texas leading the way, and that's because of the people that we vote for. Texas's decision could change what you just said. In 2076, like, the numbers could start going up because of the people here. Praise God. Amen. 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 Number two, drum roll. I mean, get loud, people. We got kids here. (laughs) We got to leave Rowena and get our kids and our families to events. So here's some ideas. The Midwest Catholic Family Conference in Wichita, Kansas. Seven and a half hours. If you want to get in our van, we got a huge van. <laughs> Come with us over the summer. It is one of the best events to go to. Uh, get, visit churches. Get your kids to Catholic camps. Uh, go to Catholic sites. I'm a pilgrimage coordinator, so I'm always trying to get people to go to holy places. Do that with your family. Get out of here and get to places and go do events with each other. There's the Pines Camps, which are awesome um, here in Texas for, for Catholics. Steubenville Conferences, all these things. If you get your kids to events that are solidly Catholic, it, the, the demographics of them staying Catholic are huge. Look at my story. If you haven't watched on YouTube, I gave my testimony. These guys' testimonies are going to come out here pretty soon. World Youth Day, when I was in middle school. Mission trips in all different states, including I went to Mexico in high school, (laughs) in college, you know, going off and then eventually going to seminary. All these experiences, Totus Tuus, another program we are starting in our diocese this summer. Oh my gosh, that's an answer prayer, because Liza and I have been trying for the last 15 years to get Totus Tuus started in our diocese, and God heard our prayer. Okay, it's coming to our parish as a catechetical vacation Bible school, solidly Catholic. Liza and I have basically been done, done it a couple of times in our own way. Um, that's an awesome program. So get your kids involved. But the only times I've really grown in my faith and took a big leap in my faith was when I went to a Catholic event. So please, doesn't matter how old you are, find a way to get to these, some of these awesome events. And it doesn't even have to be an event. 
I mean, we've taken trips. I've gone with my parents down to Houston to go to a baseball game. And we've stopped at the painted churches in Schulenburg and, and all those little towns there. That's just nice. It's nice, holy places to visit. Uh, my family, we were going to Colorado to go snow skiing, and we stopped at uh, the Loretta, Loretta Chapel in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Beautiful. Check out that video. <laughs> Shameless plug. But, I mean, just it doesn't have to be events. Those are great. Uh, we've attended uh, for the last few summers the uh, 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 Fullness of Truth conferences in San Antonio. Those are great. Um, but, again, plan your vacation around certain spots. Okay, we're going here. What's in between? What can we stop at to visit that would be awesome for our family? You know, the word mass means to go forth. We're not just meant to stay put right here. You know the, the uh, story of the apostles. They were going out two by two, and they had a mission. They were on a mission. Well, we're in a time of mission, apostolic mission. You know, we've been talking about that the last couple of days. And so we, we do need to get out there, uh, not just to go mission and talk to other people, but, you know, the, the family is the domestic church, and we're going to touch on that. But we've got to – you know, how awesome is it that when you have something on the calendar – and you know you're going there, you got something to look forward to, it's really enjoyable, and it, it's really a sigh of relief when you got so much going on in your life. But what we're suggesting is make it something that is surrounded uh, around your faith. You know, go to, uh, like they said, if you're going to even go into a baseball game, make sure that you put the faith in there. It really does matter. We, we, you know, you got your pen, and we've got a piece of paper in it, and there's going to be an opportunity for you to write some things down about what we're talking and, and including what are your, some of the most memorable moments you have. And then probably for most of us in the room, our conversion happened when it wasn't maybe, probably, what, probably wasn't at home. May not have been just in this parish or in your home parish. Might have been when you were somewhere else, right? And it really does make a big impact. I know for me, uh, it was definitely when I went somewhere else where I was open enough. I wasn't worried about what anybody else cared, you know, about where I was at, what I was doing for a living. All that was set aside. Number three is communication. Make sure that the faith is not just for Sunday. You're talking about the faith seven days a week, 24 hours a day, maybe not 24 hours a day, <laughs> right? You're sleeping. But, you know, moms and dads were up in the middle of the night the faith can definitely be a part of that, and you could be praying for your kids. We did a, an interview with Emily Geminette. She would get up in the middle of the night, and she would pray over her kids while they slept. I mean, so it is a 24-7 job, isn't it? You know? And even some of you that you know that have kids that have grown, it's, you're not done being a parent. But communicate about politics, about what society, what the media is saying. And we, we take it from a Catholic lens. We bring a Catholic perspective to all these things. So the craziness of the world, it's nuts. But with our Catholic faith, it keeps us grounded. And we realize, okay, they're nuts, <laughs> but I, what can we do to transform this crazy world, this society, and remind people of Jesus? They, you know, statistically, we talked about last night, if men are involved, wow. When men go to mass, fathers go to mass, the likelihood of those kids being Catholic the rest of their life is huge. If you want to get up in the 90 percentile, talk with your kids about the faith. And then we'll tell you even more statistics to get you up to like 100% virtually percentage to keep your family together. I do have a story on that. I'm not tooting my own horn. Doot, doot. <laughs> but uh, touching on what Tony was talking about, uh, there was just recently when I was uh, in the spray rig with my daughter Gracie. She's here somewhere. And just, you know, there's all quarter silence. I'm in, just driving and focused on what I'm doing and just notice we're not talking. It's quiet in here. So I just kind of, it was, I got the, we got the advice from uh, that in, uh, interview we did with John Martinoni. He was uh, talking with his daughter about, there was a big article in the newspaper about this Protestant church down the street that is celebrating their 50th anniversary or whatever like that. So he asked his daughter and I posed this question to Gracie. I said, uh, he said, how long ago did Jesus live? Come on. 2,000 years ago. Okay. All right. So did Jesus start a church? Yes. Yeah. See that in Matthew 16. Okay. So how old should Jesus' church be? 
I asked her that question. She said, well, she thought about it for a little bit. She's seven. She said, 2,000 years old. That's right. Very good. And he posed this to his daughter, and he said, so could that church be the church Jesus founded? Well, no. Why? Well, it's not old enough. Well, ding, ding, ding. You know, it's just common logic, right? So I was, had to continue the conversation. You know, it was like, okay, so what do you want to do when you grow up and blah, blah, blah. It would be a doctor, vet, whatever it was. <laughs> See how much I was paying attention. But uh, I said, she mentioned about having kids. I was like, okay, great. You want to get married and have kids? Yes. So what's the job when you're married? And she said, to have babies. I said, very good. That's right. <laughs> that is one of the jobs. That's right. There's basically two jobs when it comes to being married. It's to have kids, to raise kids, to know, love, and serve, KLS, God in this life, so we can know, love, and serve him in the next. And the second, well, actually, it's really the first, is to get your spouse to heaven. My wife's job is to get me to heaven. And that's hard. <laughs> you pray for her. <laughs> and her that's and what my she's job, doing right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's praying for me. Her job, my job is to get her to heaven. Pray for me. I'm probably not as good as she is, I'm sure. <laughs> So I was posing, that, again, I said that to her, and, uh, and I asked her, I said, you know, there are some people in this world that believe two men can get married. I was trying to be bold with her. I was trying to be real with her. And I asked her, there's, you know, there are some people that think two women can get, to marry, get married. And I said, what do you think? She says, well, that can't happen. I said, why? Hmm. She said, well, they can't have babies. How come? Well, they're the same. She's seven. It's not like I was trying to push or indoctrinate her with information. I presented her the facts, and she made the and just asked questions, and she made a logical explanation. So again, it's just exposing her to the truth and letting her figure it out on her own by asking questions. It creates. We talked about holy moments, and the the simplest way to do it is to just ask questions. And if you're scared of having a conversation about religion or it just doesn't seem comfortable or it seems awkward, it's not normal, all you got to do is ask a question. And Jesus prodded us, you know, early on to, to ask questions. And as Catholics, a lot of times that's not what we're used to. We do it because that's what the church teaches. That's how we were taught. That's how our faith was handed down. As a convert, that's how I came into the church was asking questions. And somebody asked me a question. Have you ever thought about RCIA? The person asking the questions is in control of the conversation. So while it might be scary, you never know what kind of answer you're going to get from a seven-year-old. Uh, it's, it's definitely an opportunity to create holy moments and communicate and have those conversations that can eventually you can be real. You know, you don't have to just talk about what this scripture verse and that, you know, especially when it comes to kids. Uh, keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. Number four. Let me just ask you a question. What? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, why are you Catholic? Everybody has to answer it individually. Ready? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why Start are you here? Right. Your parents were Catholic, so you're a Catholic. Uh, you know, you like the saints. Yeah. You married a Catholic. We have, we have different reasons, but the number one reason is the, the truth, the it's Eucharist. Uh, we have the body of the Lord, Jesus Christ, in the church right over there. The Savior of the world comes on our tongue, and we consume him. We digest him. God is nuts. God is crazy in love with you to do that. Well, scoot back a little bit, okay? So he creates the world. He has you in mind at all times. He comes to earth and becomes one of us, which we're celebrating so very soon, and is willing to do all that for us. He suffers on the cross. He's thinking of you at that moment. He knows when you're going to be created. And then he goes even further, and he wants to be your food as you're scarfing down food right now, okay? He wants to be eaten. He wants to be so united with you that he wants to come inside of you. That is mind-blowing. Drop the mic. So Don't. It'll break. Yeah. <laughs> so we as Catholics have the Eucharist. Parents, grandparents, take your kids to church 
and bring them all the way up to the tabernacle and pray with them. Have them touch the tabernacle, okay? Bring them to adoration. Tell them stories of how Jesus has appeared in the Eucharistic host hundreds of times. You know, like literally, I want to take my kids to Lanciano, Italy. My wife and I have been there, where for 1,200 years, there's actual flesh and blood still there during a mass. You can't make this stuff up and bring your kids there. You know, you know tell them the stories. Get the books to help them to have a love for our Lord in the tabernacle. Our church is never empty. The light is always on because God's inside. And all of the churches that are not Catholic, although they're worshiping God and there's good things happening there, God's not fully present body, blood, soul, and divinity there. That's why we do the sign of the cross when we pass the church, because he's home. The bells are ringing now, beautiful bells here in Rowena, okay? Every hour to remind us, hey, come see me. So remind yourself, remind your kids, he's over there. He's in the house. Uh, so with everything that Tony just said, it's, it's pretty hard to understand, honestly, uh, which is what happened in John chapter 6, verse 66. It always is simple for me to remember. John 666, right? What happened was Jesus said, this is, and he used a specific word there. He could have used any other word, but he said, this is my body. And we gave this stat last night and night before. 78% of Catholics, 78% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of, of Jesus in the Eucharist. And it's even lower among young people. We got to tell them by middle school age, they're going to either hook and latch on to their faith or they're going to leave. We got to tell them at an early age that, yeah. And so in the United States, the attendance for mass goers, those that are registered parishioners in a Catholic church in the United States, we are, there's 41% of people that are registered in Catholic churches. That puts the United States in the bottom 30% around the world for attendance. That's not okay. That's a problem, right? And so uh, the, our message has been, and we've heard from many of you, it was awesome to see all the men last night. Uh, you ladies would have been very proud of us. Uh, we showed up in numbers. It was great. And, uh, but <clears throat> I'm going to forget my thought. <laughs> uh, 30% mass attendance. Yep, I forgot my thought. <laughs> see how that happens? Uh, <clears throat> it happens. But, so could you believe that, can anybody guess what the highest, uh, the highest attendance country in the world is? Yeah, mass attendance for registered. Good guess. Yeah, Poland, that's what I said. It's up there. That's a good guess. good guess. You're getting closer, and persecution is your cue. Good call. Specifically. That's right. Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. 85% attendance. Those people know what they got, and they're being persecuted. And so when somebody's going to take it away from you, that's, you're always, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And we got to realize we live in an age, well, we used to live in an age of Christendom, Christendom, which means it's just what we're comfortable with. Nobody's persecuting us here. We're starting to see some changes yeah, in our society. We're in a post-Christian society. They've labeled it in the last year, year or two. They said, no, we're no longer Christian, the society is. Which you probably atheistic, can tell. relativistic. Yeah. It's the first thing that Pope Francis said to the Roman Curia. We are no longer in a Christian world. It's pretty scary stuff. So simply just bringing people to Mass in the Eucharist. But I didn't finish my thought on John uh, chapter 6, verse 66. What happened was he said, this is my body. And they said, this is too difficult to understand. And his disciples got up and left him. Which is... What me, many people often say are the first Protestants, right? They basically protest the Eucharist. So keep going. Let's, right, well, let's move. No, hang on. I want to touch on your oh, point yeah. about, uh, you know, God's always thinking about you. I used to tell my CCD kids, it's like, you know, if, you, if God were to quit thinking about you, you would just fade away. You would cease to exist. And the point is not to scare them, but to say that he's always thinking about you. It's like, oh. But I want to ask you a question. How many of you people here tonight believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Why? Not Nick. Oh, sorry. Why? Why? You got an answer? 
No? Just raising your hand? Okay. Well, because the, my point is, through human experience, we know that dead people do not come back to life. This past year and the year before, we have lost so many people, and we want to pray for them and recognize them. But we know from human experience that people don't come back to life. It's a sad reality. So why do we just blindly believe that Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago? Tell us, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> keep this point going. Okay. It's by example, right? It's by the witness of others, right? It's by the witness. How do you know that Washington crossed the Delaware? History books have written about it. Well, people have written, and we see this in the Bible. It says that Jesus rose from the dead, and he was seen by 500 people. How can we trust these people that wrote this book 2,000 years ago? Does anybody know how the apostles died? They were all brutally tortured. Thank you, Harley. Peter was crucified upside down, is what is believed, because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like Christ. Andrew, who's a golfer in here? You all know St. Andrew's Golf Course in uh, Ireland? It's in Scotland, sorry. It's close. Anyway, it's in the shape of an X, right? The two golf clubs. That's because Andrew was crucified in the shape of an X. Same thing. He didn't feel worthy to be crucified. Uh, who's heard of uh, St. Bartholomew? Anybody know how he was crucified? You got any deer hunters in here? He was skinned alive. Every one of the apostles were brutally murdered, and every one of them, and you were talking about men who wrote about themselves being cowards at the crucifixion, running and hiding. Or even at the resurrection. <laughs> even at the resurrection, yeah, they were running and hiding in the room, and now all of a sudden they're willing to die for it. Talk about a mass conversion. But every one of them went to the grave preaching that he was alive and praying for the people that were killing them. That is a better you witness. Don't die for a lie. Exactly. Nobody dies for what they know is a lie. Now, there's plenty of people who die for lies. I can think of some cowards that fly planes in the buildings. There's plenty of people that die for a lie, but nobody dies for what they know is a lie. So you got to know as soon as that nail hit the hand or the knife starts touching the skin, if they're just yeah. just slightly thinking, you know, maybe we had some, you know, bad wine, <laughs> they're going to be talking. None of them talked. And we're not just talking about two or three. We're talking about 12 to 500. They're a better witness that Jesus rose from the dead than my parents are that my birthday is on July 3rd. That's why we believe. That's why we're here. We can trust the witness of these martyrs, of these great men. So Number five. Is that right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, but hey, I, I remembered what I forgot. And oh. it was that uh, we got invite, and, and the men the men came out in droves. And so uh, we're talking about we're pushing the mass and Eucharist, uh, and inviting your own kids and your own family. Uh, we got to continue to invite. Yeah. And to confession too. It's yeah. been our big push Holy the big last push. few nights. So yeah, number five. Let's drum roll, please. Thank you. Many of you are solid Catholic families. Thank you. Or you raise solid Catholic families. Again, thank you. <laughs> Wow, where would we be without you? So many people in our world are lukewarm. In the book of Revelation, it talks about if one is lukewarm, that God will spew them out of his mouth into Gehenna. It's very vivid, okay? Very scary if you think about it. And with lukewarm water, you know, like we like it really warm, you know, you know if, if we're taking a shower. In a battle, okay? We, we're in a battle. We have to take a side. If you're in the middle of a battle and this side is shooting at this side and you're lukewarm, <laughs> you're going down. <laughs> you got nothing with you. So it's important that we arm ourselves with prayer and the sacraments. We keep our eyes on the prize in Jesus Christ. To we're, we're our natural, we, talk, we said a big word the other night, concupiscence, which is the inclination towards sin. It's very easy to go to laziness and sin, and we get weaker and weaker as we sin because that weight pushes us down. Make sure that if you feel it's heavy on your heart to drop the load off at, at a confession. You know, literally, Father is a garbage man. <laughs> he takes all the garbage and he gets rid of it, and we're squeaky clean when we walk out. And uh, we focus on the physical so much, but we have to focus on the spiritual of taking a spiritual bath each time we go to confession. 
So we, we try our best to avoid the middle. And so the saints were never in the middle. They were crazy <laughs> because they were radically in love with our Lord, radically doing things for the good of others. Mother Teresa, you know how many hours she spent serving the poor on her knees in adoration and slept very few hours. Look at any saints. Read the saints with your families, with your kids. This is what we need to aspire to because the only way to heaven is to be a saint. And I know I'm looking at myself and I'm like, I am not there. So let's pray for each other that we can get there. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, having that encounter, having an encounter with Christ and, you know, really getting to know him for who he is. And how do you, we've said this every night, how do you get to know him? How do you get to know somebody? By spending time with with them. There's adoration here every first Friday, once a month here, or first Friday here at St. Joseph's and uh, St. Boniface has it every Thursday from 8 to 6. Uh, Miles has it fourth, fourth Sunday of the month. So Ballinger, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday in the Adoration Chapel in Ballinger. Yes, so carve out some time. Make time to spend some time in front of our Lord. I mean, we've talked about how he is truly present in the Eucharist. That's him. Go spend some time with him. If you, as moms and dads, bring, grandparents, bring your kids to adoration, they're going to continue that legacy in the future. How cool is that? Yep. Well, even confession, for that matter. You if you, if as parents and grandparents, if you're taking your kids to confession, they're going to be more comfortable and want to go. Uh, my kids ask us if when we're going to go. Yeah. Uh, I need it more than they do. But... <laughs> They, I'm just extremely, my, my little Luke, five-year-old Luke wants to go. I mean, he's not reached the age where he needs to go, but he wants to go all the time, and Father will just listen to him. It's pretty entertaining. Being lukewarm is easy to do. Uh, honestly, and it, I said this the other night, I put myself in situations like this where I have to prepare myself. You know, I mentioned that uh, the other night that Mr. Loman asked me to read. I said yes, and I had no time to do it, and but I go to Mass, right? But if you put yourself in situations, you'll come out of that lukewarmness because it'll make you prepare. That means that you have to say yes to things. Yes to doing things that make you feel uncomfortable. And there's every opportunity in the world, but you got to be open to it. you got to be listening for it because God is always calling us, always calling us, always knocking. And we just have to be open. So being lukewarm is real simple. We have our routine and we get in our routine. So some of the suggestions of the last couple nights that we've been making is if you want some things to change, change some things. It's quite simple. It's not easy. We're not the best at it. But what we know is where we're broken and we can share that with you and empathize with the fact that it's difficult not to feel lukewarm because you have your daily routine. You just got to change something. And if you just give God an inch, he'll take you all the way home. That's all it takes. And I said to the men, and I held up this book, and I said, it might be pink and have lilies on it. (laughs) But when you open it up, you're opening up his word, and it's profound. It can change your life. So, yeah. Number six. Drum roll, please. So I I say this as often as possible. Hopefully it's going to get in your head, okay? But I need you to tell other people this, please and thank you. 99% of marriages last if the family prays together every day, eats together every day. That could be in the car. That could be at McDonald's. It doesn't matter, okay? And is open to life. 99%. Let's look at the opposite side. 50% of marriages in a divorce. Most people are living together before they're married today in this day and age. That bumps it up to 75% chance for divorce. I don't know about you. I come from a family of divorce. They fought for 14 years, my parents did. The wounds and the effects of that on me were huge. Praise God. I was in seminary and got a lot of that weight lifted off. I didn't want that to go happen to me again, and especially my kids, especially them. So I'm like, what can I do to God-proof my marriage? What are they? Pray together, eat together, open to life. It's so simple. There you go. So tell your friends, neighbors, Mm -hmm. everyone, there's some good news. Yeah, we need to hear it and we need to live it. 
Isn't that the three sacred places in your that's supposed to be in your home? The bedroom, the dining room, and the prayer corner. Yeah, the prayer room. Designate a spot in your home for quiet place. <laughs> it's impossible in our house. But try to find a place where even the kids know that they can go to spend some quiet time in prayer and thought and whatever. Uh, just try to find a spot. Uh, I know you you have a plans for your home. Yeah, we, uh, we our Melissa and I we live in a two bedroom house with six kids, and uh, it's it's difficult to have that quiet time of prayer. So. Uh, yeah, we're hoping our goal and, and what we plan to do is to center our entire house around two chairs. And those two chairs are going to be where mom and dad have their Bible and their devotional so that our kids can see that for the rest of their lives until they move on because we want to set that example. So to have that altar in the home. That's awesome. Cool. The perfect number, number seven, drum roll. I think I have my notes out of order. I, I'm, I'm going out of order. Sorry, guys. Oh, okay. Uh, we are the primary educators in our faith, and we never, never should stop learning. So how many of you listen to Catholic Radio? It's like the best <laughs> because you can learn. It's there. You're driving. Boom. You know, CDs, if you still have a CD player, those are still around, and, and books and speakers and that kind of thing. But we got to keep learning. The average Catholic has like a middle school level of their faith. And some people in this room have doctorate degrees. I mean, we really, truly need to keep learning about our faith. And then when you learn it, share it. And then when you buy a book, read it, give it away. (laughs) You know, Chris, when he reads a book, he tells everybody about it. And that's great because he's learning stuff and he's passing on that faith to others. Dynamic Catholic does a great thing. They make books like a dollar to three dollars a book. You could buy them in bulk. Buy a bunch, give them away. I see parishes do this. They buy hundreds of copies, and on Christmas and Easter, they give those out to those people that show up for Christmas and Easter only to a way to make a connection to try to reach them. So we got to make sure that our intellect, we're still learning about our faith. Keep the, the brain rolling with new knowledge. How many of you have a Bible at your house? How many of you have a catechism? Usually less hands. Okay, not so bad. That's not so bad. How many of you have read the Bible? I won't look. (laughs) How many of you have read the catechism? Hardly anybody. Okay, yes. Some people. Good, 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 good. These are, if every Catholic read the Bible and the catechism, I would say almost virtually everybody would stay Catholic. It's the core two books of our life. They should be on your mantle, and they should be read often. Certainly the scriptures and the catechism You know, like let's say you want to read about something to do with pro-life. Go to the back of the catechism and read the section on pro-life. You have a question about whatever. It's usually covered in the catechism because all the major topics are in there. So please keep learning, I beg you, because we have to know to be able to convince others about our faith. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Then I was questioned with my faith. I had no clue. Then I started reading. And... uh, read hundreds of books just to be able to answer those questions. So try your best to keep learning. John Paul II wrote a book called Fetus et Ratio, and it basically said the title is Faith and Reason. And you, you may have a faith, you may have a spiritual devotion, but you also have to understand the reason side of it. And when you, when you read, that helps you break down what you're dealing with. It helps you to grow in your intellect. God gave us this mind to do something with it. Uh, ships were made for sailing. Planes were made for flying. And you were built for greatness. We got a job. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sucking wind. <laughs> We'd be dead if we didn't have anything else left to do, right? So uh, I, Melissa can attest to the fact that, unfortunately, I, like I said, I have to put myself in situations to force me to not be lukewarm. So on my nightstand, I might end up having four or five or six books and she's like, what are you doing with all these books? You need to read them or something. I mean, but I'll put it there just so I remind myself that I need to stay in the faith. I need to read. I'm not the best reader in the world. I'm a slow reader. And sometimes I got to read the same page three or four times. But it soaks in and it, it has changed. Every time I read something, I feel like I'm going through a reversion. And a lot of what prepared me for these three nights is I was 
in Ballinger, and there was one of those books by Matthew Kelly that's basically a free book. It was left in the back of the church, and it's called Rediscovering the Saints. And, man, it really helps. You know, we all think we have a unique situation, and there's nothing that anybody— There's in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. And when you hear how the saints dealt with stuff— it really just makes you bold again. And that's what we try to do is be real and be bold. And obviously be Catholic. That's our slogan. But uh, you, you, get, you put junk in, you get junk out, right? And I'm not talking about number one and number two. <laughs> what goes into your mind comes out of your mouth. And it comes out of your actions. So the world is constantly putting things in front of our eyes and into our ears and our minds. And a lot of it's junk. You know, we do this a lot, scrolling on the cell phone. And you may not have intention at looking at bad stuff, but it's just not the thing. That's not where you need to be. You're going to get what you are not expecting. So my point is pick up something that's Catholic. This point that we're driving home is make intentional decisions to be Catholic and grow in your faith. If you don't, you're not going to have anything new to tell anybody else. If you don't, you're going to be discouraged if you're going to have a conversation or invite somebody into the church. If I just let you sit here in five seconds of silence, which I won't bore you with, if I told you to ask yourself, when was the last time you invited somebody to church? Now I'm giving you five seconds. But it's a hard question to have to look in the mirror and ask yourself. Jesus invites us. That's all he does constantly. And if we're to be like Jesus, and I challenged everybody in here the last two nights, and I'm going to continue to challenge you, and that was my point about the men, showed up in numbers. And I had so many guys come to me and say, I invited so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, they didn't show up, but these, man, that's all it takes there were men in that room that I was so proud to be, you know, to be in that room with them. And we, I pray that the Holy Spirit worked through us and they heard the message. And we need to be mission-minded because after COVID, a lot of people have not come back to Mass. Are they? So think about the people that are not here, okay? Tonight, fine. But Mass, who have you not seen in a few months? Show up at their house, bring them a cake, bring them a beer, whatever, okay? And say, hey, what's up? Good to see you, you know? Um, invite them back. Invite them back to a living relationship with the Lord. I always say, like, we're always one confession away from being right back on track. How long does a confession take with Father? Not very long. <laughs> you're, you're, in three minutes, you're good to go. Less. <laughs> so we try our best to, to strive for that. Anything else with that one? Well, I'd say with the Keep Learning, is uh, there's tons and tons of resources out there. There's audiobooks. Rome Boys. Oh, man, you took my joke. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, there's these three guys on YouTube, you know, I think they call it the Catholic show. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, we, let's see, what number are we on? We're on eight. Do we we're, need to take an intermission first, a bathroom we're, break? We're halfway. Let's take a break. Yeah, let's, we're over so, half. So and when you come that. back, we're going to use that pen, okay? So I'm going to pass out papers. You guys, if you want to get a drink or use the restroom, that's what we're going to be doing. All right. Five minutes. Hurry, Jamie. So we're going to move into number ocho. Ocho, drum roll, please. Prayer. It's so simple, but we got to do it. A couple of things as families. First one, our family, seven kids, two adults. Wish there was nine days in the week. But as a family, as a married couple, have each person of your family take one night of the week to pray. So... Mama Monday in my house, Tony Tuesday, and it goes from there. Nicholas Wednesday, Augie Simeon, and, and we rotate. And they're in charge of prayer. It's a cool idea that I was told, and it's fun because it changes it up. Certain kids get totally into it, Anthony, uh, and all kinds of uh, new things can come from it. So every night of the week, someone prays, and it's a different person to change it up. Uh, it's good to pray the rosary every night. Please do so. But it's good to have spontaneity and changing things up, okay? Second thing, this is an awesome idea. Do, as with a family, 
build each other up. So in my house, it takes a little longer than maybe yours, but every person is on the dock, okay? And so it's, this is me. And everybody in the room says positive things about you, things they noticed about you to build you up, to give you, because in, as Catholics, we're always focused on the negative. You know, I'm a sinner. These are my <laughs> sins. You know, we do an examination of conscience. We're good people a lot of the time. We do a lot of good. So we put somebody up there and everybody says things about them to build them up. Uh, lastly, we got to keep changing it up, but first we got to start with ourselves. Do you pray? And do you pray from the heart? Secondly, do you pray with your spouse? Complete honesty here. Liza and I are just starting this. We don't pray together. We don't have time. Well, everybody uses that excuse. No, no, we need to make time. <laughs> okay. And number three, pray as a family. So first you got to start with yourself. Move to as a couple and then move to as a family. Not for like an hour each of them. Start with a couple of minutes in each category. And, and again, change it up. So my wife and I, Liza and I are doing a Bible study right now and, using a and doing a book study. Um, you know, she doesn't like the rosary and I do. You know, <laughs> it's just how life is with prayer. And you know, certain of our kids like certain ways to do it. So when it's their night and they like singing, great. If they want to go outside, fine. If we want to kneel, fine. We change it up. Because in the Mass, we can't really change a whole lot of things up. So we might as well, with prayer, change things up and keep them spontaneous. I'm excited about the one about the build-up. I mean, when you told me that just earlier, I was like, that's awesome. You're just ready for compliments, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I need them. I need them. But I think uh, by doing that as a family, and this just kind of came to me, is that, you know, I think we a lot of times think of prayer as a private thing, something that we do on our own. This is on my connection to uh, me and God. But as doing it as a family, it opens up to be a community because you are your house is your a mini church, a mini church, a domestic church. And I think helping doing that as a family will actually help us do it as a parish. That was the epiphany I had. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sometimes it feels awkward, you know, and, and it can feel like you're putting it on, you know, and you you talked about routines, the prayer that that I pray every day and there's been a few times that I haven't uh, the day I got stung by bees uh, and almost died I didn't say this simple prayer that morning now whether that was the you were reason praying as you were getting stung <laughs> oh though. that's true for sure uh, <clears throat> and well it's it was in RCIA and Richard uh, had the evening and he said he, he was talking about prayer but the most profound thing he said that I've carried every day since then, I think this was probably two or three years ago, uh, is, Lord, I give you this day and everything in it. And that's it. And it has profoundly changed my life. Uh, and I say it every single morning. You know, I just, it's difficult for me to, and probably many of us, to sit down and pray the liturgy of the hours. Now, I should, but I don't make time for it. It's as simple as that. And so if there's something that you can routinely do that's that simple, it will change your life. I mean it. It has changed mine for sure. And we should also, in the evening, before we go to bed, we need to reflect on our day. And no matter what your routine is, if it's watching TV and you turn it off, I don't care what happens before it. That's your day. But you got to reflect on how the day went. And it's, it's called an examination of conscience, just like before you go into the confessional. But, you know, the scripture says you should never let the sun set on your anger, right? So there's, there's very simple things that come up in your day that are holy moments. And the real reason that you do that examination is to determine if you made the right decision. Because faith is a muscle, and if you don't exercise it, it's going to get weak. And so in those moments, if you're not exercising it, you're going to continue to fail time and time again. But if you examinate yourself every single day, it's going to make you get on track the next time that comes up. So, uh, so in the morning, something super simple, 
And there's, there's lots of other recommendations for prayer. I talked about it possibly feeling awkward. You know, those moments where you say, oh, good Lord, help me. You know, if you, know, you almost get run over on the highway. Well, if you really mean that sincerely, that is a prayer. Prayer is efficacious because it is in faith. Efficacious means that it's meaningful and it's fruitful and it works. It's real. It might be awkward. You might not think anybody is listening. I had a very deep conversation last night after we had our talk where people ask, but they don't hear anything back. And that's difficult. And when do you audibly hear something from God? Never. Usually. I mean, that's my story. But it's, prayer is a gift. It's our ability to communicate with God. It might seem awkward and it might seem fruitless. But that's because you're doing it in faith. And God could put himself right here in the middle of this room right now. Do you know why he doesn't? It's very simple. He's already done it. And he doesn't compel us against our will. Because if he, all, if he stood right here, you'd all bow down and believe him, right? If he just appeared in this room. My Lord, my Savior, there you are. You'd fall to his knees. Actually, the truth is he was here. And look at how many people don't believe. He's still here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how many people still don't believe. So you got to exercise prayer because it is simply in a prayer. And I said this last night to the men. Men need to hear things simply, at least I do. Black and white. If you pray to God, you're saying one thing. You are God and I am not. And original sin was simply... Adam and Eve wanting to have full knowledge and power just like God. And so when you pray, that is a direct opposite of original sin. So make it simple, but keep it consistent. Do it every single day. Every single day. Okay? And I think some helpful tips, and believe me, I am talking to myself on this one, is how many people in here have a TV in their room, in their bedroom? Take it out. Take it out. I mean, we remodeled our house and we didn't put one back in. But does that mean that we pray every night together? No. We replaced it with one of these. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller screen. <laughs> it's easier to see, but it's a smaller screen. And we can watch what we want to watch, but put the phone down. <laughs> and I'm talking to myself. Put the phone down. Even though I, we, I shared this with the guys uh, earlier, my wife and I sometimes to relax and to kind of just chill from the craziness of the day. We'll play dominoes on our phones <laughs> where we can play together against the computer. We don't have to shuffle and <laughs> don't have to keep score. But yeah, we'll just sit there and lay there and play, play dominoes. It's a fun kind of interactive uh, couple building, but we should, and my wife is the prayer warrior in our house. She is. Uh, but we should be doing a lot more praying before we play and maybe we'll have a better game. You know, St. John Vianney, <laughs> one of my favorite saints, uh, he, he there's this farmer that was always in church early in the morning, even before St. John Vianney got to church. And he said, you're always here. What do you pray about? What do you say? And the farmer goes, I look at him and he looks at me. I mean, prayer is simple. And the more quieter we are and the more silent we are and the more we talk less and let God do the talking, the greater the prayer will be. You know, the catechism talks about the forms of prayer, and the highest forms of prayer are all about God, nothing to do with us. The lowest forms of prayer, petition, which is about us, thanksgiving, thanking at least God, but for the things for us, (laughs) the highest forms of prayer are adoration, worshiping God, and has nothing to do with us, and praise is like, God, you are amazing, even in the midst of this crummy day. (laughs) That's uh, my challenge to you is to diversify your prayer and not just say, hey, God, I need this, this, and this. And my, I want my kids to have this, this, and this. We start there for sure. And if you do a holy hour, start there. Get, get all the blah out of your day and then just be still and know that he is God. Just let him do the prayer. Um, so the more silent we are, the better. And in my, in my house, is the bathroom is the only place that's quiet. I mean, arguably it's not even quiet, but at least I can lock the door. So anyways, number nine, drum roll, please. Thanks for the good drum roll. Yeah.
What's that? I said thanks for the I'm good drum great roll. Job. Oh, yeah. Great job. Great yeah, job. I'm trying. So our house is a domestic church, uh, the first seminary, the first convent. Do you look at your house that way? Is your house, does it even look like a mini church? His does. <laughs> <laughs> when we walk around, we're visual. We see things. So is there a crucifix? Do you have holy water? Is there a statues there to remind you of God? A lot of Catholic homes, you could not tell it's Catholic. So I challenge you to have something religious in each room so that we can see that. As a man, maybe all men are this way, but if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. So the back of the refrigerator, I don't even know what's growing back there because I don't see it. <laughs> it's there, I guess. I've got to move something. My wife's always telling, she, give me specific directions, please, where exactly it is on which shelf and location. And she'll tell me, and she knows exactly where it is. Praise God. <laughs> so, yeah. So everything, what the point uh, that we made last night is the priorities in your life. So is your house also set up as a priority of faith? And it is really the domestic church. John Paul II talked about that. The family is the domestic church. And so whether there's one person in that house or there's nine people in that house, it's the domestic church because vocations come out of that home. And how, so goes the family, or how goes the family, so goes the church. And it should look like you are Catholic. It really should. So the question we asked the men last night is, what does everybody have on them right now? Well, In your pocket. Yeah, you know, in your pocket. And it was the same thing. Everybody said the same thing. Phone, keys, wallet, pocket knife. As pretty much everybody said the same thing. And that's because our focus when we go out into the world is to provide, really. That's what those things Those are do. our tools. Yeah, they're our tools. Our everyday tools that we use all the time. So it does our house look that way? Yes. So the one suggestion that we made was, why don't you carry your rosary in your pocket, too? I asked the men, uh, do you have a religious item in your pocket? And a lot of the guys did. They had a rosary or a crucifix. It was very cool to see. And so, yeah, a scapular. And so we absolutely want to encourage you. And maybe this year, this Advent, you can have a tradition where you put something in your home and you can carry that on every year. Or you can just put it up for the new year, for 2022. 2020 was kind of rough. 2020 was, uh, 2022 is a new year. Maybe you can do something going forward and you can make a commitment with that article, that religious article, to just continue to remind you. You could have six or seven uh, books by your bed, too, or something, you know, to push you into one little side note chris yeah. like as parents and grandparents take your kids and your grandkids to the catholic store and say you know spend whatever you know 20 bucks or less whatever get whatever you want that's cool and they have fun doing that and they can get religious things or go to a catholic conference like i said you know last time get a shirt and get something religious go christmas <laughs> is only a few weeks away go buy a statue and give it to your wife for christmas or for your kids i mean my kids have tons of little statues of saints all over the room. You're going to have them all before you know it. <laughs> Probably. So, but it would be a great gift item. Really, it would. This is an interesting uh, dynamic on how we're talking tonight because the last couple of nights were, were, were much... Gloom and doom. <laughs> we're much different. And so from the, those things that we've talked about, we're, we're giving you these in numbers so that we can help you and, and employ you and encourage you that there are things that you can do that you can be systematic with because you may not have all the answers that come to you in a revelation but if you're setting yourself up intentionally it's going to make all the difference in the world god is always with you right the kingdom is inside you the scripture says and god is in his kingdom so you've got to do something with it and and that's been our encouragement these past three nights is Take action. Do something. That's why you're getting them in bullet points, and I think we're on to number nine. Well, actually, I think ten. That's ten. ten. Yeah. yeah, number I don't ten. Here we go. Last Hit it one. hard. Come oh on, now. It's pretty simple. We have a mission to help our spouse and our kids to heaven. You know that, but is it on your wall? Like, literally, get a picture. Like, mine would be like the Frasco family, and write the mission, put it on the wall by the door say it every day. You know, they say this about churches, 
What's the mission of our parish? Most, 90% of parishes have no idea what the mission is. I know parishes that literally have it on the wall on the way out. The mission is to go save souls or to go make disciples. Your mission is to get your spouse and your kids to heaven. Remind yourself of that. And so your job, money, activities you have, vacations, whatever it is, is so lower than that mission. Be reminded of it. Put it somewhere. Put it on the mirror. Put it across the way from the toilet. You know you're going there. (laughs) And remind yourself of what the mission is. Because if you know what you're battling for, you got something to live for. And if we don't have goals, what are we doing? You know, the people that are, Chris could talk about this better than me, like Mm. the people that have goals change the world. Yeah, Whether it be in business or spiritual life or whatever it is, what are your goals? And if you have those goals, you know, set yourself to it, have people hold you accountable to it, and get after it starting today. And what I would suggest is that if you think everything's perfect and you don't need to make any changes and there's nothing that we've said that's been helpful. I just want to say that you got to make sure that in Aristotle's words on the side of the Parthenon, his two most famous words, know thyself. And if you've got, if you're in a place where, you know, I'm doing all right, everything's good. We, there's, there's two motivators in this world, inspiration and desperation. That's it. There's only two motivators, inspiration and desperation. And in a spiritual life, heaven and hell. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you aim heaven for heaven or are you afraid not to go to hell? <laughs> Either way, same. So, yeah, to, to be inspired to take on any of these points and anything that we've said all week, just know that, you know, here we are, three guys from your, your local parishes, and we've been inspired to do something that ain't comfortable. It's not easy sitting up here. We never thought we'd be here, honestly. Uh, this is probably the toughest crowd we'll ever have because you guys know us, you know. <laughs> but you've been very, very hospital, hospitable and welcoming, and it's been great. It has. It really has. And I think, you know, to reiterate some things we said, you know, throughout the three nights, you know, it's the no love and serve. And one of the questions I posed was because it was brought up to me was, and some of you remember this, and some of you who weren't here, I'll ask you. If somebody were to ask you, if you are a good Catholic, what would your answer be? You don't have to answer. Just think about it in your head. But the answer should be, there is no good. There is no bad. There's practicing. As long as we're continuing to strive to do better, strive to learn more, strive to do more, try to be better, we're practicing. And that's what we do. We should be doing each and every day is practicing what we preach putting our money where our mouth is, walking the walk, talking the talk. You know you know the analogies. You know the, the catchphrases. We should be, it's, we're hoping that through our witness that we're inspri- inspiring you to do that, to do just that. Our mission in life is to evangelize, to bring as many souls to heaven as possible because there are people going to hell right now because of Catholics being quiet. we got to speak. Boldly proclaim the faith in a real way what we believe. Don't be afraid. Jesus said that like multiple times. John Paul II, that was like virtually his motto. (laughs) Do not be afraid. I got this. Our billboard, Jesus, I trust in you. (laughs) That's our motto, guys. Like really, like, you know, like from where we started to where we are, what the heck has just happened? Like, you know, it's all about Jesus. Bring Jesus through your smile through your word and your witness. As Catholics, we always focus on the witness. It's very important, but you need to be outspoken now. We, there's this hostile culture needs you desperately. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being your, your faith. Thank you for passing it on. Uh, and thank you for all you do for, for the faith. And, you know, our first night, our focus was invite. And we want to thank Deacon Allen and Father Ariel. He just stepped in the door. Hey, Father. We want to especially thank these guys for the invite, and we want to thank every one of you all for coming. This has truly been a blessing for us, I know, for me especially. Pray for us, please. Please, we beg you to pray for us, and thank you for your support and encouragement. But just remember, in the meantime, 
Be real. Be bold. Be Catholic. God, God bless. God bless. <laughs> okay. So, if y'all remember, it seemed like last week, but I think it was only Thursday. One of the things that uh, they mentioned was KLS, right? Know, love, and serve God. Last night, I re said to the guys, because sometimes they have a hard time remembering, but they always turn the news on to KLST and watch the weather. I said, let's do it, know, love, serve God together. So, you know, this is our mission. This is what we need to do from here on out. Um, you know, a thing tonight, it was keep learning. You know, no matter what stage of life you're in, keep learning. And then keep sharing, you know, because there's people out there who need to hear what you know. And we can't keep it because, like Tony said, we need to share it. Um, and don't oh, hang on one second. Father Wade Menezes says it on the radio time, all the time. Don't keep the faith. Share it. And, um, you know, last night it was a question, what's next? And, you know, there's a lot of things in our, in our mind, and it's, we, we got things that are working. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to throw tell about Father. Father heard so many good things about Advent by candlelight and how the women came and were just on fire after that night. And he challenged us to do something for everyone. We don't know what we're going to do. We feel like we're going to try to maybe do something in Lent, but something with that type of atmosphere, from what I've been told, because I never was invited either, just saying. But, <laughs> but yeah, I've seen pictures on Facebook. Okay. But, so there is things. And any time you have any ideas, Father, the deacons, Rome boys, anybody, parish council, throw your ideas at them. Because we, we, we want to keep this momentum going. That's our goal in our cluster parishes. Once again, oh. what you Pendant service is Tuesday. Pendant service Tuesday, 630. Is that Father, 630? Father? Father, 6.30, penance service, 6.30, 6.30. Come early because there will be lines. And we have, a, we, do you know how many priests yet? Five priests. So, that would be great. One more time for the Rome boys. Thank you all for coming.